Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's been two and a half years since Marcel Kittel raced a bike following his surprise announcement that he was taking a break from the peloton for his physical and mental health. Well, that break turned into a permanent retirement. It's been a little longer since Peter Kenyuk took a break for the same reasons. On this podcast, we hear from both riders on the ups, downs and challenges of a pro career and life outside the peloton. And we speak to Pfeiffer Georgie, fresh from a season crowned by a sensational British Championship win in Lincoln. She looks forward to an off-season preparing for the classics. I'm Ian Parkinson, and this is Ruler Conversations, brought to you by Lacquer, bicycle insurance powered by the community. Superstar sprinter, Marcel Kittel, uh, welcome to uh, Ruler Conversations podcast. Um, I think what a lot of people listening will want to know is, how are you? Because we haven't heard much from you for the last sort of, I guess, 18 months or so. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm doing fine. I'm really uh, happy with my, with my new life after my career. Um, I've uh, enjoyed family life at home. And um, it's, it's, it's really, it's a new chapter of my life where my pro career is now, is now over. But a lot of new things still happened. Uh, I became a dad of two beautiful children and I'm, uh, you know, involved in new projects. And it's, it's, it's a really nice challenge to to have uh, also a little bit of you know sort of fresh wind in my life now so it's yeah that's how I see it and I'm really happy with it you were very sort of honest about the reason that you decided to take a break initially you know because of your physical and 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 mental health um can you explain that more what was it that 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 led to that yeah for me the question was actually in 2019 after I experienced already yeah one and a half difficult years with my team back then, Team Katusha Alpesin. Um, I really asked myself, what do I want? I knew that um, yeah, you know, that team wouldn't be the right one for me. We are we are not really fitting well, and we um, yeah, it will be hard to be successful together. So I decided, okay, I would like to you know. Um, sort of get free, break free, and 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 stop my contract earlier than expected. We did that, and uh, suddenly I had time for myself to think about what I want and where I want to be. And I also knew that there would be a debt uh, at the end of 2019. Um, that played a big role in the end, also uh, in my decision. And I thought, okay, I, I've seen the sport now. Actually, what what would be a new goal for me now uh, as a professional cyclist? Can I work 110% again for that goal? And for me, the answer was no. Um, I realized I do not have that that desire is, is uh, anymore, especially because I knew I, w- I would become a dad. 
to to sacrifice everything only for these goals. Um, yeah, so I decided to step away and do something new. There were more important things in your life. There are definitely more important things than professional cycling, but I still love the sport. I've I've loved to be a pro cyclist. I made uh, great uh, and very positive experiences. I also made negative experiences, and I think especially the difficult times in my career really challenged me as a person as well not only as, a, as an athlete and that development helped me to also came to that decision um, and I can walk away now knowing that I've had great success uh, good and bad times like you have with everything in life and I'm happy with how it is uh, since you um, made your announcement and since you you took your break the, there have been quite a few other professional cyclists who've said actually um, I'm going to take a break or I'm going to retire early because the uh, because of the pressure, because of you know, the, the possible risk to my mental health. Do you think it's a, a, a widespread problem in pro cycling in particular, any more so than any other sports? I don't know about other sports. I can only talk about cycling. Um, I, of course, you see media um, news about other sports, Simon Biles, for example, uh, with gymnastics, and, and, and many other, and also other sports uh, have re reported, have, have, have you know said what they experienced in their career but in pro cycling and for me there are several facts that you have to face it's for me the toughest sport that you can do um, there is no other sport where you are three weeks in a grand tour having your competition four five six hours a day so you need to to be able to overcome that when you come home after such a such a challenge it's it can be very quiet at home you know there are no spectators anymore that cheer for you and um, yeah, life is completely different suddenly again, and you need to know what you want for yourself. Why do you do that to to overcome this lo this loneliness that is really very often involved, and um, especially when you're 200 days or more a year away from home, it's a question of your own balance um, that you know where you are, who you are, and what you want to really find that balance again in those moments. And if you can't find it, and it happened to me as well, yeah, you will get in a difficult place, and you need to take time to to think about. You know, what is your answer to the question, what do I want and, 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 and how can I achieve it? Not only as an athlete, because that answer is quite simple and to train, I need to prepare, eat healthy, but how can I be happy also as a person? You know, there's, there's also a life next to cycling um, which you need to live and um, to enjoy. And is there more, do you think, that the teams or maybe the cycling authorities could do? Or is it something that, as an athlete, you have to address yourself? I think it's mainly to raise awareness for um, also the athletes that they need to be aware that there is um, sometimes, yeah, that there are difficult times can be ahead. And um, you, you need to be aware that you, 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 you know how to get through it and... Um, maybe even more simple you need to simply know that there will be a difficult time and you need to prepare for it and yeah to not run into it without any preparation because that will be very difficult and it happened to me and i i worked with uh, sports uh, psychologists together to find a solution to that it helped me very much but in the end the awareness is the most important thing um, keeping a balance between professional sports life and also private life you said that cycling is a very hard sport in some ways it it celebrates hardness doesn't it it celebrates the toughness and it values those people who just go on no matter what do you think that's part of the part of the issue it's the essence of cycling to suffer which other sports has that to suffer over hours i mean in, in 
in other sports you, you you suffer for maybe one two hours max i mean there's the ironman but you, you're not suffering over weeks for example in a, in a stage race that takes a toll on 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 yourself on your body on your mind and especially when you know that performance good performance top performance consists of physical but also mental performance and you you, you need to keep a certain space for yourself to you know compensate sort of the hardness of the sport to you know to still be yourself and be able to go to the next race and say okay i'm fresh again i i can i can go for it again i want to go for it and when you can't do that it it's definitely very tough and you need to be simply aware that the sport is super hard sometimes when you look back now at your career and all those victories all those sprint victories is there one that you really cherish is there one that really stands out for you Actually, quite a few moments that I really enjoyed as an athlete. Also, uh, special memories that I have about certain victories. For example, uh, my first Tour de France stage win in 2013 in Corsica, being able to wear the first time the yellow jersey. Also, the year after in Harrogate, the Grand Depart here, winning again. Yeah, it was incredible. But I have also have other races like the Time Trial World Championships 2016 in Qatar where we won with Quickstep as a team, uh, which was also a crazy experience. So I really love the fact that I had the chance to uh, make these experiences and uh, to go to these races, be successful there. I really, I'm, I'm really proud of it and I really appreciate that I, that I was lucky enough to have also this talent to be able to be there in a successful way. Marcel Kittel, thank you for joining us and it's really good to talk to you. Thank you very much. Marcel Kittel. Peter Kenyuk announced in 2019 that he was taking a break from his career to focus on his mental health, a career that included seven seasons with Team Sky and track gold medals at the Olympics and World Championships. At Ruler Live, he reflected for the first time on how the past three years have been. Uh, very good question. It's been a... Three years of, it's been very transitional in terms of uh, emotions, feelings towards cycling, uh, reasoning for stopping in the first place. A little bit of a journey, you could say, to get to where I am now. Had a daughter this year. Me and my wife, Lauren, have four kids. So, you know, a lot's happened cycling-wise, but there's a lot to keep me occupied uh, family-wise. So... Yeah, I finally feel like at ease and at one with my relationship with cycling, basically, which, you know, wasn't in the best place at certain periods of uh, my career. But now I, I you could say, like, rediscovered the passion for the sport and, and the reason why I loved it in the first place, which I can honestly definitely say that I forgot. When you um, made your announcement, were you surprised at all by the sort of uh, number of riders who came out effectively in support of you and saying, you know, that it was a good thing for you to do and more people should should talk about those sort of issues? To be honest, I didn't uh, look at anything, any replies, any social media. I just uh, shut off from the world for a year. I wasn't in the right headspace to really understand or reply to people or take on board what people were saying even now I get asked a lot of questions about my career and I don't really know the answers to them so for me to answer a question that someone's asking I understand what they're trying to do and the questions they're trying to ask but honestly I don't really know the answer so and it's there's still a lot of ongoing questions with myself which is quite difficult it's a tough sport 
it's institutionalised, it's a bubble. It's probably a false sense of reality in terms of life as a whole, you know, like you, you're effectively doing the same thing that you were doing when you were nine, but when you're, when you're 29, um, tw 20 years later, earning a lot of money, uh, uh, but mentally you haven't done anything else in your life, so you're really enclosed in this, in this bubble um, with a false sense of reality. Uh, some people handle it really well and others don't. And I think the problem occurs is when you maybe lose the passion or lose the understanding or reasoning for why you're doing it. And then, yeah, the questions start to pop up in your head about just life in general. I've, it's just, you know, a lot of it's just being human. Uh, it's not just cycling. It happens in all walks of life. Is there something, do you think, um, about, you know, you said cycling's a hard sport. Do you think there's something about the way it sort of almost fetishizes being hard, being tough, you know, not complaining, suffering. Is there something in that that, or is that too simplistic? It's a, it's a good question and a tough question because without being a tough person and having resilience, you're never going to make us a cyclist. But at the same time, you can have talent. You can be a very talented bike rider and maybe suffer at certain points in your career or at times in races mentally you should still be able to fulfill that talent you know part of the sport is being able to put up with the pre any elite sport not just cycling is being able to handle the pressures and the the pressures that come with being at the top of your game i feel like probably in the last 10 years sports psychology and the mental aspect of cycling has been overlooked maybe slightly in terms of you could be seen as a maybe a slight liability for being picked for races or if you weren't going to perform because you know your head wasn't in it or whatever honestly I've thought about this myself and I've had this conversation with myself and but then is that just elite sport I mean if you're not capable to if you're not capable of dealing with the pressures that come with elite sport then maybe that's not for you however I do feel that there is more professional cycling teams could be doing to help riders understand what they're going through and, and deal with pressures when they arise. From what you've seen, um, are things getting better? Are, are sort of lessons being learned? Are, are there more places that riders who want to talk about these issues, is there more opportunity for that now? Yeah, I think, well, from what I've seen in the world, um, not just cycling, it's, it's becoming more of a topic that people are okay with and not embarrassed about uh, talking about cycling and the cycling teams aren't the problem it's and we're seeing it you know it's in the news now it's um it's it's widely talked about but then it's still it's still down to team managers and team owners to understand that someone's not just um a rider on the payroll who's paid to perform so i think some responsibility relies on on the team you know, at the same time, the world is changing rapidly, and I feel like the the new generation of riders have been more exposed to, you know, being honest with their feelings, being able to speak about their feelings and deal with them openly, rather than shutting them away. Um, and I feel like my generation, probably 2000, late 2000s to yeah, 2016, 17 was was very much that, where I feel the younger guys 
and it's not cycling is nothing to do with this it's the way the world evolves so cycling can't take any of the credit away but they're, they're much more educated in terms of how to deal with stress or pressure or feeling down or what anxiety is for people growing up when I was in school no one you know anxiety for me was just being embarrassed or worried or and you didn't understand what that feeling or emotion was but I feel like the cyclists coming through now are a lot more aware of you know what's to come what 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 they're going to face as a professional and how to deal with it which is a great thing but I don't think cycling can take a credit for that I think it's more to do with the way the world is kind is is changing and evolving really your connection with cycling over the past year or so I guess has been um commentating or punditry have you been enjoying that has that been a a, a way of sort of re-establishing a relationship with the sport yeah it's it's been a an evolving process to be honest because the first year I sat down in front of the TV and I just watched riders do what I'd done for the last 10 years and I didn't realize that I had to pick up on stuff that maybe people at home didn't understand and how to you know use the language and how to betray that and it's definitely been a massive learning curve And, and also when I first took the job it was you know it's still the emotions were still quite raw it was still in France. The last two years had been in Maidstone out of a studio. So the first year was still in France. So I was going back to the sport quite early. And I remember being on the finish line at the end of one of the stages, really close to the riders. And it was a, a strange experience because I felt like I should have been there. And I felt really awkward, you know, commentating on these guys that I was only riding with a couple of months ago. Uh, but since then, it's been quite grounding, um, understanding just the way the whole sport works. I mean, as a cyclist, I think you're quite self-centered and selfish and you maybe see a journalist as someone out to get you, but they're just trying to do their job. And, you know, these guys have studied for years to get to the point where they're asking you these questions. And uh, it's it was really grounding and enlightening to just be on the other side of the fence and understand the sport for what it is. You know, be in the caravan in the Tour de France and see the, the, the families on the side of the road who have waited seven hours to see you just flash past for a split second so um i've really enjoyed really enjoyed the process of working yeah on the other side of the fence uh, when it comes to cycling it's still quite tough to to commentate when sometimes it's when you feel like you want to be there yourself but the whole experience has been enjoyable and you're looking pretty fit are you still riding or running or <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of people have said that time. yeah i do a lot of running well i, I do ride as well I run a lot just because it's so easy. You can get a lot done in an hour of running. And I ride when I feel like riding. Uh, But yeah, in the last year, I've really got the passion back for the bike. Really enjoyed watching the racing on TV again. And um, just just glad to have that enthusiasm for for cycling again, really. It's been been a long process getting to where I am now. But um, I'm feeling really, I wouldn't say grateful, but grateful that I've arrived here and I can appreciate the sport for what it is again. Why hello there, podcast interruption alert, but I will only take a few short moments to say that if you're enjoying this podcast, you will love the regular magazine. So if you're not a reader already, then you can subscribe at ruler.cc for as little as £6 per month. If you don't speak Northern Irish, that's six times 100 pennies. And for the price of a few coffees, you get regular columns from the wonderful Ned Bolting, myself, Orla Shinnow, 
Dunaway and some of the very finest independent cycling journalism there is, all wrapped up in a wondrously beautiful publication. Go to ruler.cc. I'll leave you to it. So my name is Oren Peleg and I'm an investor in Lekka. Three things that really caught my eye. The first one is, is they're looking to change the insurance industry, which is a very large industry and I think needs change. The second thing is, is I'm deeply passionate about getting people onto wheel. We need to address our congestion and pollution crisis and I believe that two wheels have a massive role to play in that. And the third thing is, I can see a growing trend around companies building on the strong communities that they have. And I think Lacquer's business model in the way they tap into the community of cyclists is something that's very much on trend at the moment. Pfeiffer Georgie began this year in a neck brace after a bag crash in her last race of 2020. She finished this season wearing the British champion's stripes after her victory in Lincoln and in a strong position to lead her team DSM in many of next year's races. Rachel Jarry caught up with her at Ruler Live. Well, Pfeiffer, I guess I'll start by just saying congratulations on the Nationals. How does it feel to know that you'll be wearing the national stripes next year? Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, it's pretty special. I think that was the biggest thing when I crossed the line, just the realisation that I get to wear this jersey. And yeah, I think it's pretty special because not everyone does get to do it. Um, and yeah, you always have the bands on your sleeve for the rest of your career. So yeah, I think that's what made it such a big shock. Just, yeah, just realising what it actually means. And you've already worn them once, haven't you? I think it was in one of your last races of the season. Did it kind of give you some like extra drive and motivation when you were wearing them? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I raced them at Drenta and so that's the last race of the season, which is yeah pretty late at the end of October. So it's the time when, yeah, maybe motivation's a bit fading. But I think just having this jersey just gave me so much more motivation and I yeah, really felt really good on the day and it was nice because everyone in the peloton was like coming up and saying well done some of the senior riders like saying that it was a good ride and that was really nice and yeah just that them recognizing the jersey was pretty cool talking about Lincoln did you go into it with like an expectation to win like what, what were you kind of feeling before the race because I guess you you were kind of one of the favorites but maybe not like a top contender yeah, I didn't feel like I was the top favourite going in. And also, yeah, after Anna Henson did such an amazing time trial, um, she was obviously on great form. I didn't, yeah, personally feel like so much pressure to win. Yeah, I thought that physically I could, but I didn't actually really believe that it would happen because, I don't know, it's such a big thing. I didn't actually think it would happen. You look so strong on the Mitchellgate cobbled climb. Did you kind of feel like you were the strongest rider in the race? You never really looked like you were in difficulty, like in any risk of getting dropped yeah I was surprised how good I felt actually I still didn't think that I could leave it to the last time up the climb so yeah I tried an attack with two laps to go and yeah then I was actually surprised that I got a small gap on my own and it did give me a bit of confidence thinking that if it came to the bottom of the last climb altogether then I would have a chance yeah I just tried to kind of keep the group rolling and when attacks were going just like follow them and be a bit smart with my energy um, and then just when we hit it the last time I just went full gas and I didn't look behind and when I've done this race before then I've always been overtaken on the climb so I was kind of expecting that to happen again yeah I didn't look behind until the line and then 
when I crossed it, then I was just like, oh, wow, I've done it. And yeah, just shock, really. <laughs> yeah. And we saw like those images of you hugging your dad at the end, which was like, I think it was emotional for everyone watching. But it must have been so nice to have him and like the rest of your family there watching that massive win. That was pretty special. Um, and also my dad was actually, yeah, the first rate, my first pro win um, <laughs> in Formies. Uh, so I guess he's maybe a lucky charm. <laughs> that was the first race he'd seen me do in like two years because of covid and yes, yeah, so to have him at the line, that was a really nice moment. And I think maybe he was just as surprised as I was. <laughs> and you kind of from like a cycling family, I guess he's been on that journey with you, your brother race. Could you kind of explain how you got into the sport? And, you know, it's, is it sort of like ingrained in your family? Yeah, definitely. Um, so we used to live in Herne Hill. And when I was four, they took me to the track there and yeah, got me on the bike. And we when we moved up to Gloucestershire then I started racing when I was six um, at Castle Coombe and yeah me and my brother did that every week throughout school trained together and also my mum would do time trials like twice a week and my granddad would always ride so it was just yeah really part of our family and we'd go out yeah on club runs together and yeah go to cafes at weekends and so it's yeah I guess something that we've always done and I've only ever really grown up knowing cycling yeah and having like raced from such a young age do you think that's really helped you now you're in your pro career to have all of that experience I guess you've not only built like your endurance base but also like tactically and your positioning it must have all really helped yeah definitely I think racing from such a young age like you have such a long time to learn and make mistakes and yeah I think also coming from a cycling family we would just watch racing all the time so I think that taught me a lot about tactics and also when we just go out training together me and my dad and my brother would start racing so it's just like small things you pick up that I think are really yeah benefiting me now um yeah now I've turned professional and I guess it also helped you build up that resilience to the bad weather because I remember when last time we spoke you were like you love the rain you don't mind it I guess that helped you at nationals maybe because the weather was pretty grim at the start yeah I think all my best results actually come when it's really horrible weather and raining and cold so yeah that didn't phase me at nationals and I way prefer it to being too hot. <laughs> I'll have cold and wet any day. So like cobbles and rain, I think we're thinking classic. Yeah. So I guess they're the kind of races you'll be targeting in the future. Yeah, definitely. I think I'm more of a classics rider. And I think, yeah, already next year, I'll get some opportunities to be a leader in those races. And yeah, just learning to race finals and just gaining more experience in uh, races like Flanders, which I haven't done yet. And also, yeah like Roubaix which I'd love to target sometime in the future you've signed with um, Team DSM for a few more years I guess like it's it's interesting because there's been quite a lot in the press recently about riders not enjoying their time on that team but it seems to suit you like so well um, what, why do you think that is? I've had such a good experience with them actually and I think because I joined them straight out of junior they've always had a focus on my development and we are a young team and I think this is what they're really good at is bringing riders up and kind of developing their own leaders. For me, they've really yeah looked after me and f- focused on my development. And also, yeah, with injuries I've had, just coming back from them in the time it takes and not rushing anything, really taking care that I'm not going to be yeah burnt out or come back from an injury too soon and just making sure that I can have a, a good long career yeah like you talked about the injuries there and you had quite a bad crash didn't you last year could you maybe what happened with that crash and was it difficult to come back from that for you yeah so I crashed in Depana um and I broke two vertebrae in my spine yeah I was in a neck brace for a month and 
physically, yeah, it took a while getting back on the bike, um, also because a lot of stiffness in the neck, and I had to have a lot of physio, yeah, learning to just like first walk and then ride easily on the trainer, and then, yeah, slowly getting back on the road. And I think also, for me, the hardest part of it was the mental side, because I was really terrified of crashing again. And so the spring this year, just I completely lost confidence in the bunch and yeah like my positioning and everything as soon as it got a bit crazy then I was just like yeah bailing out because I was yeah had this in my head that if I crashed that it would be bad because yeah my crash into panic could have been way worse and the doctor said I was really lucky with this spine injury that I would make a full recovery so I think the mental side of it and just gaining that confidence again and I worked a lot with a mindset coach and finding strategies to kind of deal with the anxiety that yeah uh, I had in the first part of the season but yeah I definitely made improvements over the next months and yeah now I'm feeling pretty much back to normal with riding in the bunch and yeah when it is hectic and crazy you wouldn't know that you've got any issues with positioning like at the world championships that was kind of like your key role was positioning Lizzie Dignan at the front um I guess you've you've kind of really got over that fear now yeah it's actually crazy looking back because I was struggling with it so much and just yeah I think also I just needed the time to after a bad injury like that you just I don't know, kind of see things more rationally that not every time you crash it will be serious and it can be crazy and you're not going to crash. And just also doing, I did a lot of visualisation and kind of relaxation and just kind of, yeah, thinking things through, not trying to think of the worst case scenario all the time. And yeah, at Worlds then, yeah, I wasn't even thinking about anything like that. I just felt confident and yeah, like I used to. And so that was really nice. Leading Lizzie Dignan in a race, like that's pretty crazy. You know, you've won the national championships and you're still really young. Are you kind of surprised at how quickly your career is developing? Like, did you ever expect this success so early on? No, yeah, I'm definitely surprised, uh, especially the second half of this year. I feel like I've really made a step up physically and also just having the confidence to take on a leader role and yeah, race for the win and yeah, to be able to be Lizzie Dagman's teammate who's always been my hero growing up and do a good job for her that was something pretty special and I didn't think that that would happen this year definitely didn't expect the national title so yeah I would say I was surprised with how the, my career is going so far. Is there kind of anything over this winter you will be working on like is there any improvements you hope to make? Yeah definitely I think during the winter I'm also going to focus more on the gym kind of building my strength up and because the classics are my main focus the short punchy climbs and the power I think generally I have quite a good endurance base so, but yeah obviously after the break then you build that up again but I think yeah focusing on kind of short explosive power will be what I work on this winter and also thinking a bit about time trialing um, hopefully getting to do some yeah maybe wind tunnel testing just like refining my position and yeah keep working on that because I think in the future then the GC yeah the stage races can be something I could target as well I mean you're coming like into such an exciting season next year with the Tour de France Femmes as well like women's cycling it's in a really great place is that a race you're going to be looking at or are you sort of more focusing on the earlier part of the season yeah so I don't know my calendar yet but I think yeah I would definitely love to do the Tour de France um I think it'd be really special and looking at the course I think it's really exciting with yeah kind of short punchy stages the gravel stage and also yeah the harder stage at the end I think there's something for everyone in it 
And yeah, starting on the Champs Elysees with a sprint stage, I think, yeah, maybe something I could be part of the lead out. So yeah, I don't know the lineup yet, obviously, but yeah, I definitely have my eye on it. <laughs> in the winter, it's kind of the time of swift racing. Are you tempted to sort of dabble in that? Will you be on the turbo march? No, I hate the turbo. Uh, I think, yeah, it's not for me. I would rather go out in snow, rain, whatever. I just, yeah, I like being outside. I'm really not an indoor person. And just kind of a question on the future of women's cycling as a whole. Like, we've got the Tour de France Femmes. Do you think that is sort of the solution for growing women's cycling, having those races that match the men's equivalent? Or do you sort of more think there's a space for women's cycling to grow um, sort of its own races and its own identity? I think it's, yeah, really important that we are having races like the Tour de France because it is such a high-profile race. Um... And everyone in the world knows the Tour de France. And I think having races like this will bring in a lot of sponsors and being televised, I think it's just going to increase the professionalism of women's cycling, having line-to-line coverage so you can actually see that the work that riders do, it's not just the result sheet, which is kind of what we've had in the past when our races aren't shown, then no one knows kind of the teamwork that goes into it. So I think the more that is shown, the more professionalism you get and... Yeah, with the Tour de France, I think just having this exposure and bringing in sponsors and I think it's just going to increase the whole level. And obviously now we have yeah, Paris-Roubaix as well. I think it's just a step towards parity with the men and I think there is no reason why we couldn't have had these races before. But and yeah, I think it's exciting that we do finally get to do it. Yeah, and did you kind of get that feeling at Paris-Roubaix that there was more of a buzz about it just maybe because of the history of the race? Was Did you think that there was a lot more media coverage compared to other races in the calendar that you do? Yeah, definitely. I felt that Roubaix was really a historic moment, actually. I think, yeah, also with yeah Lizzie's win, I think it was pretty spectacular and it was great to see the buzz around it and just people, like enjoying how exciting women's racing is because I think when it is shown people love to watch it and I think we yeah our races are shorter but I think that makes them more exciting and I think if you can show the whole race then I think people will watch it and yeah Roubaix was yeah pretty special and I think it's finally that we have it I think it was about time (laughs) I mean the conditions looked awful it it was a super grim race but will you be back for more did you enjoy it enjoy that I don't know whether I would say enjoy it was brutal um yeah I had a couple of hard crashes so it was just a lot of pain and yeah Roubaix hard enough it is I think you need a bit of luck when I was riding it then I, I was just thinking to myself I'm never doing this again but already now it's only been a month but I want to go back <laughs> and I think you kind of forget how horrible it is just because also when you get to the velodrome just how special that moment was I think at the time maybe I didn't didn't enjoy it but like looking back I realized that it is pretty cool and to be a part of history in the first ever women's edition yeah something I can always say that I was part of kind of a final question looking ahead towards next season if there was one race that you could win that would top this amazing season that you've had, what would that be? What's your kind of dream? I'm not sure whether it happened next season, but I'd love to win the Tour of Flanders. I think that would be, that's one of yeah, my biggest goals. Fly for Georgie, talking to Ruler's Rachel Jarry. And there's plenty more material from Ruler Live to come on this podcast on Ruler's YouTube channel and on ruler.cc. Check it out. There's a Ruler Tech podcast along next week.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.